When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the April 21st episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. We've got a big show on tap for today. The Zurich Classic is this weekend. I got my best bets locked in for that. The only team event on the PGA Tour schedule. And then I'm going to be giving out my picks for this weekend's UFC 261. Kind of flying underneath the radar, but it is a stacked card. Three title fights, so I got my bets locked in for those. And then finally, of course, I got my best bets for Wednesday night. Two plays in Major League Baseball, and then one play, of course, in the National Hockey League. But before we get into those picks, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by BetUS.com. That's right, we got a sponsor, baby! BetUS.com, one of the better online sports books. Uh, I've been talking to their people for the past couple weeks um, great, great folks over there at betus.com. So if you don't have an online sports book or more likely you have one, but you only have one, it's time to sign up at betus.com. It's always good practice as a gambler to have more than one sports book and make sure you're getting the best odds possible. And also all the odds that I'll be, uh, uh referencing on this podcast from here on out will be as per BetUS. So head over to there. Sign up, and when you sign up for an account, make sure that you type in the promo code BACON. That's right, po- promo code BACON in the uh, in the promo code section, the referral code section. Um, or what you can just do is click the link in the description of this podcast, and that'll take you there as well. And if you do that, you'll get a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. So head over to BetUS.com. I mean, there's literally no downside. Uh, number one, you're going to get a new book, which is, like I said, is always good uh, a good strategy as a sports better to have an account at more than one sports book. Number two, you're helping me out by heading over to my sponsor's website and punching in my code. And then number three, you're getting free money to use to gamble, to bet on sports. I mean, what's better than free money? So there's literally no downside. It helps me out. It helps you out. Head over to BetUS.com. And use the promo code BACON when you sign up for a 125% or when you sign up for an account. And that'll get you a 125% sign up bonus on your first deposit. All right, let's get into the episode. Like I said, got picks for PGA, UFC, MLB, and NHL. But I do want to touch on one quick thing uh, before I get into those things. And that's something I tweeted about this morning. Something I tweeted about Tuesday morning. By the way, happy 420 uh, to you stoners out there. I'm... As at least as of right now, past my stoner days, so I did not get high today. Um, but uh, I'm sure plenty of you did. Also, Tuesday's like my busiest day of the week, so I mean, I couldn't have, anyways. Um, but yeah, happy 420. But I tweeted something out uh, related to beer this morning, and I want to talk to you guys about this, and I need more of your opinions because 
I kind of came to the real, I don't know why I thought about this when I woke up this morning, but I came to the real, like realization Americans all drink light beer and I don't understand why. Like all the time when I see Americans uh, uh, talk about beer, when I see them drinking beer, it's always like either Coors Light, Bud Light, or Miller Light. It's always one of the three. Now, if you don't know, I, I'm Canadian. I, I live in Canada. Um, my entire life, ever since I started drinking, if you showed up to a party or if you ordered uh, a light, if you showed up to a party with like a case of light beer or if you ordered a light beer when we're going out to a bar or something, like the immediate reaction, a large majority of the time is like, what are you on a diet or something? I mean, if, if you're on a diet, it makes sense. But like, I hardly know anyone who just, who just casually drinks light beer, like a light beer is their beer of choice. I know one guy, he's just a light beer guy. He doesn't love beer, but he likes to drink it. So he, he drinks Moose Light, uh, which you guys don't have Moosehead in the States. At least I don't think you do. Um, but he, he's just a, a light beer guy and that, and that's fine. But like the majority of the people I know, I don't know anyone other than him that drinks light beer as their beer. So why, why do, why do you guys drink light beer? A lot of the responses I got when I tweeted out, and a lot of people did respond, is that it allows you to drink more, and then you, and then it's also cheaper than craft beer. But, like, there's more than just light beer and craft beer, which I think I might have narrowed down is kind of the issue. Like, when you guys go buy beer, is it mostly just light beer? Like, us in Canada, we don't, like, we can't buy beer at, like, a convenience store or a gas station or anything. Like, we have to go to, like, an actual liquor store. And if you walk in the back in a large walk-in fridge area where you go get your beer, if there's 50 different kinds of beer, there's probably only like five of them that are light. And every light variant has like a normal variant. So everyone was saying that they don't want to drink craft beer because it's expensive and they can't drink as many. But let it, what about just like, instead of Bud Light, Budweiser? Or um, Coors Light, why not just Coors? Like the the drinks I the beer I drink the most are all Schooner, um, Moosehead I drink sometimes Alpine, Alexander Keith's I don't think you guys have any of those in the states it might get Alexander Keith's, but none of them are light beer now light beer is like four percent alcohol normal beer is like five percent, so really you're not going to be able to drink that many more light beer than normal beer I mean if I'm going out and I'm know that I'm going to get heavy into it I might I, I mean I'll drink a twelve pack. And a 12-pack of just normal, non-light beer is going to last me six to eight hours. What are you guys doing pounding 16 beer back for? How many of you guys are waking up and cracking your first beer as soon as you wake up? That might be the only time I drink light beer if I know I'm going to start drinking like before noon. Light beer is objectively gross. <laughs> it's not good. If you like light beer, it's because you don't really like beer. You just kind of want to drink beer. You don't really love the flavor of it. Because to be honest, it ta- light beer tastes like piss water. It's objectively not good. Obviously, there is the other spectrum, craft beer, which I like craft beer. and It's half the reason why I'm fucking fat. And some of you suggested, Ian, maybe you, sh- you look like you should switch out to light beer. And my response is, yeah, that's, I mean, fair play. Fair point. I probably should. But I genuinely like beer. But, like, if I'm going to drink light beer, I may as well just drink vodka. Because, if I, I mean, if I'm not going to enjoy what I'm tasting, then I may as well just go for the hard stuff. But it shocks me the amount of, of people in the States. And this is not, like, an insult. I'm not chirping you guys for it. Eh, maybe I kind of am. <laughs> but it just shocks me how common, like, light beer is. It's not common at all. Like I said, if, like, in university, if someone showed up drinking light beer, like, people would tease you for it. But it just seems to be like the common norm in the States. That's what everyone drinks. It's very strange to me. 
Now, I haven't been in the States. I haven't been in the States since I uh, became drinking age. So maybe that's like the majority of your selections is, are either craft beer or light beer. So next time I'm in the States, I'll check that out. But you kind of have to seek out light beer here. Most of beer is just like a normal domestic lager that's like 5%. Anyways, that's my rant about beer. I was thinking about it all day. I, I, I don't know why I care, but um, yeah, a lot of you say that you drink light beer so you can drink 16 of them. Why don't you just drink fucking 12 and actually enjoy it instead? I don't know. That's my non-sports betting related rant for the day. Uh, let's get into, yeah, let's get into the picks here. Um, so we're going to start off with the Zurich Classic, the only team event on the PGA Tour schedule, then going to get into UFC 261, then my MLB and NHL plays for Wednesday night. So let's not waste any more time, friends. I don't think I have anything else to mention. Head over to BetUS.com, use the code word, promo code BACON, when you first sign up for 125% uh, deposit bonus on your first first deposit, and it helps me out quite a bit, so I would appreciate you all. If you go and open a book at BetUS.com, they're great people, and it only helps me out, and it helps you out as well. Uh, it's only only good things can come from this, friends. So do it, do it, do it. Obviously, this is way better than just sending me money through a donation link, which is what I had set up before. So go, make, sign up, BetUS.com, make a deposit, and everyone wins. But without further ado, let's get into the April 21st episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. <laughs> More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. All right, here we go. Let's get into it, my friends. We're going to start with the Zurich Classic. Uh, like always, we're going to start with the PGA Tour event. Uh, Zurich or Zurich? Zurich, I'm pretty sure. Uh, TPC Louisiana, like I mentioned uh, in the intro there, this is the only event on the PGA Tour schedule, obviously outside of the Ryder Cup and President's Cup, but I mean, those don't count as the PGA Tour schedule. That is, it's a team event. So pairs of two, uh, round one and round three are best ball, round two and round four are alternate shot. So if you don't know what the terminology means, best ball is both guys on the team will play their own ball for the whole for the full hole, and whichever is the better score out of the two golfers uh, is the one that's recorded for the team. So if golfer A shoots a par, golfer B shoots a bogey, they get a par for that hole. Uh, if golfer A shoots a birdie, golfer B shoots a par, then uh, uh, birdie is is what their score is for that hole. And then alternate shot, that's self-explanatory. One guy will tee off. Um, Next guy will take the next shot, uh, and they'll alternate back and forth until the ball is in the hole, obviously. Uh, so it's at TPC Louisiana. Pars, it's a par 72, 7,425 yards. Now, obviously, with this being a team format, partner format, it's it's a very strange event to handicap. I actually think this might be the first year I've bet on this tournament. I might have in 2019. I might have made, like, one bet. Um, but this is definitely my first year uh, kind of digging into it pretty deep. I don't know if I'm going to do round bets, which kind of sucks because I've been absolutely crushing the three ball and two ball bets recently. But I, I don't think I'm going to do it this week. I think I'm just going to stick with my pre-tournament picks and kind of see what happens. Because this team format, it's strange. Uh, especially with alternate shot. Best ball is kind of interesting to handicap, but alternate shot. Because like, 
I don't know who's going to be taking what shot, like who who's going to be driving, who's going to be hitting the irons. So um, it, it's it's tough. It, it's a very weird event to handicap. But one advantage you do have is there only there's only 80 teams. So if you're looking to take like a top 10 bet or a top 20 bet, I mean, uh, in a, in what's usually like a field of 150 or 130 or whatever, uh, it's a lot easier to hit a top 10 or top 20 if there's just only 80 teams. So uh, that is certainly a good thing. Um, but I'm not going to try not to overthink this event. Um, I'm not going to think about like which golfers kind of complement their partner's style, except for maybe one of my picks. I kind of touch on that. Um, but I'm not going to go into too many spe- real nitty gritty specific stats. I'm not going to read into the course itself too much. I mean, it is a TPC course. So there's not really a whole lot unique about it to begin with. It is a pretty, uh, you're pretty basic golf course. Uh, but what I am going to do uh, as I'm just going to take teams that I think hold value when you look at the total skills of the two golfers combined and guys who can score. So that is the biggest thing that's important, in my opinion, in this team event where there's best ball is you want guys who are able to score. I don't care about scrambling. I don't care about bogeying. I'm going to assume that the large majority of the holes, at least one of the two guys on the team is going to get a par. I want guys who can score. Give me guys who are going to get eagles. Give me guys who are going to get birdies. I don't care about saving para. I don't care about scrambling. One of the two guys on the team should probably get on the green regulation and end up getting para. So not going to worry about bogeys. I want guys who can score. So with that being said, let's get into my five key stats for the Zurich Classic. Um, strokes gain, T to green. Uh, we're just taking an overall look at how a golfer is everywhere except for putting. Uh, ball striking. So I brought up this uh, stat in the past. It's one of my favorite ones. It's total driving combined in with greens and regulation. Uh, obviously, you want to be able to drive well, uh, especially, uh, well, I guess in both both best ball and alternate shot. But uh, if both guys can get on the fairway, then at the very least, I mean, if both guys get on the fairway, one of them is going to hit the green regulation. So we want a little bit of driving, and then obviously green green regulation, that's going to, uh, guys who can get in green regulation, that's going to help the other guy uh, at least score. So one guy can hopefully secure par if they get a greens and regulation, unless, of course, they three or four putt. Uh, strokes gained approach. We want guys who can approach well so they can score, which brings me to my next and what I think is the most important category for this week, and that is birdie average. Like I keep saying, let's get guys who can score. Round one and round three, the best ball rounds are the ones where we want the guys to score and take the lead. Round two and round four, alternate shot. I'd be happy if the guys I bet on just kind of stay with the pack. But I want the guys who I, the teams who I bet on, I want them to attack those best ball rounds, round one and round three. And then finally, of course, strokes gain putting. We look at that in every event, no matter what format it is. So my first pick, I already I tweeted out. So if you saw my tweet uh, this evening, Tuesday evening, you know what it is. It's uh, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay. Xander Shoffley. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with betting on both these guys. I feel like almost every single event, I have a bet on at least one of these two guys, and, and, and now they're paired together. I mean, I have to bet on them. I'm very excited for them both to break my heart as a team together on Sunday. That's going to be uh, very, uh, very touching for them bro- both to break my heart as a team late on Sunday. They'll be in cont- contention, and then they'll probably end up losing. Uh, they're 8-1. to one. They're second on the odds list next to Ryan Palmer and John Rahm, which I meant to bring up. Ryan Palmer and John Rahm are the defending champions. They won in 2019. There was no 2020 version of this event. It was one of the events that was canceled due to the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, they're, 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 they're the betting favorite for good reason. 
Um, but yeah, I'm kind of morally obligated to take Shoffley and Cantlay here, and I'm fully uh, expecting them to break my heart on Sunday. But I am taking them for good reason. I'm not just taking them because I'm a fan of both of them and I like betting on them. Um, Shoffley has an 11th place finish here in 2017. He had a different partner. Cantley finished 7th here in 2018. Different partners. So both guys have played well here in the past, and now they're paired together. But the biggest reason why I like these two is that key stat, birdie average. Shoffley ranks 3rd on the PJ Tour in birdie average. Cantley ranks tied for 10th. So 3rd and 10th in birdie average. I expect them to be, to be able to put up big scores in the 1st and 3rd rounds. And the only other guys in the tournament who are in the top 10 in birdie average are Morikawa, Hovland, and Ryan Palmer. But when we look at their teammates, Morikawa is paired with uh, Matthew Wolf, who's all out of sorts lately and tied for 54th in birdie average. Hovland's paired with Chris Vin uh, Ventura or Ventura? I thought it was Ventura. I have it typed down here as Ventura. But regardless, he's 101st in birdie average. And then to be fair, Ryan Palmer, who is paired with John Rahm, who is 23rd in birdie average. But they are the defending champions and they are the betting favorites. Um, so that's kind of be to, to uh, that's kind of to be expected. But regardless, even... Uh, even with that good parent, Rom is 23rd in birdie average, so Shoffley and Cantley are the only team in this tournament who both rank in the top 10 in birdie average, so I love that little tidbit there. Um, I'm going to take them to win this. I mean, I'm, I don't usually like p picking the first or second guy on the odds list, but I'm going to take Shoffley and Cantley here at plus 800, 8-1 to, to win the Zurich Classic. My other team that I will be backing, actually I have two more teams, but my other team I'll be backing to win is Billy Horschel and Sam Burns at 25-1. to 1. I'm also going to bet on them to finish in the top 10 at plus 160. So Billy Horschel has actually won this event uh, at TPC Louisiana twice. By the way, Billy Horschel is basically Patrick Bateman. Um, looks just like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Kind of acts just like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Um, I think he should, he should just change his name to Patrick Bateman. Um... I love how he like he hits a bad shot and just sarcastically laughs at himself and then every like he clearly has kind of a short fuse he'll just like randomly snap out of nowhere and like throw a glove or something I love it, um, but yes he's won this event twice once in 2013 when it wasn't a team event back then so it was just a solo win for him um, but then he did win it again in 2018 when it was a team event but it was with Scott Piercy this time he's paired with Sam Burns so Billy Horschel clearly knows how to play TPC Louisiana with him winning it twice. Um, and he's also been in decent form recently. He did, well, I mean, good form at WGC match play. He won that whole match play event. Um, he was near the top of the leaderboard at the Masters until the weekend, and then he just kind of fell apart. T25 at RBC Heritage last week, so he's played some solid golf. And then Sam Burns, on the other hand, hasn't played well since his third place finish at the Genesis Invitational, but he can get birdies, and that's what we care about this week. 17th. On tour and birdie average. Meanwhile, Horschel is teed 91st, but Horschel is a lot more consistent. So let Horschel be the par machine. Let Horschel get the pars. Let Burns get out there and score. Also, these two guys are 32nd, 34th in ball striking. Sam Burns is 26th in strokes gain approach to the green, 22nd in strokes gain putting. Horschel's approach game isn't great, but his short game is certainly solid. So uh, that's my second team of backing. 25 to 1 in top 10 of plus 164, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns. Um, and then another team that I'm backing, I'm just going to take them uh, to finish in the top 10 at plus 340. 
Uh, they are 50 to 1 to win. If you want to get aggressive, uh, go ahead. I like them as a long shot. I'm only going to take them, like I said, top 10 and plus 340. And that's Joel Damon and Lanto Griffin. Uh, Joel Damon's played here twice. He finished 18th and 25th those two times. Neither time was with Lanto Griffin, though. Uh, and obviously, Joel Damon got a big win at the Punta, Punta Cana Championship a couple weeks back. Um, he's 75th in ball striking, 49th in strokes gain approach. Uh, to be fair, he is a bad putter at 172nd on tour, but um, Lanto Griffin can make up for that. Lanto Griffin missed the cut at the Masters, but before that, he made seven straight cuts, including four of those finishes being 26th or better. Uh, and then he also had a T7 at the Farmers Insurance Open. He's also in the top 100 in all five key stats that I listed, including 18th in strokes gained approach and 16th in strokes gained putting. So I like Joel Damon and Lanto Griffin to finish in the top 10 of plus 340. Now, I do have a couple comments about two other teams that I've noticed have been popular picks for this event, one is Scott Brown and Kevin Kisner. They are very popular long shot pick hitting in this week due to their recent success at this tournament. I believe uh, they shot the course record for a single round back in 2017. I think, yeah, it was 2017. Might have been 2018. I'm almost positive 2017, though. And in that um, tournament, they lost in a playoff against, who was it, Jonas Blixt and someone else, I think it was. But uh, Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown made it. To the playoff or made they were in a playoff could have won and then lost so second place there and also if you're looking for team chemistry guys who like are friends it'd be scott brown and kevin kisner at the top of the list they play with each other all the time so if you're going to put value into partner chemistry um that would be the pairing to back but the reason why i don't like them is scott brown has been absolutely terrible this season T-171 in birdie average, 188th in strokes gained T to green, 112th in strokes gained putting. I mean, I don't think Kevin Kisner is good enough to be able to carry a guy who's been playing that bad this season, so I can't do it. And then another popular pick I'm seeing is Tony Finau and Cameron Champ. Two long hitters, and to be honest, it'd be kind of fitting for Tony Finau to get his second win on tour at another event that really, to be honest, nobody really respects. He won the, obviously, the... Um, Puerto Rican Championship, which I think goes on during a WGC event or during a um, during a major, so that, that's never a strong field. He won that, and then his second win coming from the one kind of team event that no one really respects either would be kind of fitting for Tony Finau, but um, I, I, I don't like them regardless. Uh, my issue with them, especially at 18-1, to 1, is Cameron Champ is quite literally the worst putter on tour this season. Dead last on the PJ Tour and strokes gain putting. I will never bet on a guy who's dead last in strokes gain putting. Although Hideki Matsuyama showed me a couple weeks ago at the Masters that uh, that strategy can bite me in the ass sometimes, but I will not be betting on the worst putter on PGA Tour. So there you go. That's my quick breakdown of picks for the Zurich Classic. Just to recap my picks for that, I'm taking Shoffley and Cantley at plus 800. I'm taking Horschel and Burns 25-1 to 1 in top 10 at plus 160. And then I'm taking Damon and Lanto Griffin Top 10 and plus 340. Let's get into the UFC. UFC. Um, did you guys hear last week the Ben Askren, Jake Paul fight? Um, Michael Buffer called Ben Askren, Ben Ask you. Do you think that was on purpose? Or has Michael Buffer kind of lost his touch? That's a tough look. If he just made that, made that mistake, might be time to put down the microphone, Michael Buffer. Um, ben Ask you. That's tough. For a main event fight, a very simple name to pronounce, tough. Uh, conspiracy theory, though, I think Jake Paul might have paid him extra money to do that. 
kind of get into his head. I kind of like it if he did. Um, but anyways, obviously UFC is not Michael Buffer, it's Bruce Buffer. Um, so three title fights, sneaky good card. I have a pick for the three title fights and also the one fight that's uh, going to be right before the title fight on the main card. So let's start there with that one. Uh, this fight is Chris Weidman against Uriah Hall. I'm going to take Chris Weidman at minus 125. Slight favorite here. Now, actually, before I looked at the odds, I thought Uriah Hall was going to be the favorite. Um, and I was ready to pounce on Weidman as an underdog. Weidman is a slight favorite at minus 125, but I agree with those odds. I like them, so I'll still be taking him at minus 125. And it's really for one main reason. That reason being, Uriah Hall is one of the biggest head cases in the UFC. If you followed his career at all, uh, at all especially in, in the early parts, he has a, a psychological issue when it comes to fighting. He's very open about it. He spoke about it a number of times. It was a topic of dis- discussion back when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, which I think was the last season of The Ultimate Fighter I watched, and in my opinion, the best season of The Ultimate Fighter, Chael Sonnen. Uh, and John Jones were the coaches. Chael Sonnen was Uriah Hall's coach, um, and he actually gave him great advice about sports psychology. I would go look that up on YouTube if you're interested at all, but, I mean, Uriah Hall actually goes to him and says uh, that he's having kind of psychological issues when, when he goes to fight someone, and Chael gave him great advice. I think Chael Sonnen's the best. He really is, so go look up that clip. But the reason why I bring this up is this fight is actually a rematch. Some of you may not know that, but these two fought all the way back in September of 2010 at a Ring of Combat card. Before either of them was in the UFC, Weidman and Uriah Hall fought, and Weidman won that fight by TKO, and is a pretty vicious knockout uh, of Uriah Hall as well. So even though it's 11 years later, if you don't think Hall will have that knockout in the back of his mind when they're fighting, then I would say you're wrong. Maybe someone who uh, is strong psychologically, who can overcome those kind of things, who isn't so far inside his own head that it's a uh, detriment to himself, then maybe. But with someone who's very open about how, about how his uh, psychological aspect of the game is his weak point, that's tough, man. I, I would think even though it's 11 years ago, he had, like that was a nasty knockout. It was clean. He has to be thinking about that. Um, and really, UFC, uh, and then maybe to some extent golf, are really the only sports I put a ton of worth behind the psychological factor. But I think this is a big one. And then also, generally, uh, I've brought this up in the past, but in rematch fights, I almost always take the person who won the first fight over the long term. It's proven to be a profitable strategy. It may not work sometimes. It's obviously not 100% foolproof. Uh, but I look at the, I looked at the numbers at one point early in my Odd Shark career, and it did show that if you back the person who won the first fight in the rematch over the long term, it is a profitable strategy. So I will take Chris Weidman minus 125 over Uriah Hall. Let's get into the title fights here. Valentina Shevchenko. I'm going to be taking her against Jessica Andrade. Um, obviously a big favorite at minus 400. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit here and give you guys a minus 400 pick. But I will be taking Shevchenko to finish the fight. Doesn't yeah, it can be by TKO, it can be by submission, but her to finish the fight at plus one thirty-five. So I will admit, hand up, I was once quoted uh, I think two, three years ago before she won the belt. Um, that Valentina Shevchenko is one of the most overrated fighters on the UFC roster. Uh, that was one of my all-time worst takes in a sea of bad takes that I've had. <laughs> Saying Valentina Shevchenko is overrated was. Tough. <laughs> I mean, she's downright scary. I have nightmares of Valentina Shevchenko. Fucking Eastern Bloc, uh, 
international master of sport in Muay Thai, master of sport in Taekwondo, master of sport in boxing, master of sport in kickboxing, black belt, and master of sport in judo. I think she has some accomplishment in like uh, uh, um, firearm practice as well. Like she might be the baddest chick on the planet. Is it offensive for me to say Eastern Bloc, to refer to her as being from the Eastern Bloc? You guys know what I mean. When she was born, it was the Soviet Union. Now it's what? Uh, Jerkistan? Valentina. Jerkistan. It was the Soviet Union when she was born. I'm trying to look it up right now. I don't want to offend any people from uh, Eastern 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 Europe. Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyz, Kyrgyz, what the K Y R G Y Z S T Kyrgyzstan. But it was the Soviet Union when she was born. Now Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> Whatever. She is a scary lady. Uh, but now she's going up against Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade lost by TKO to Wei Li Zhang, who's also on this card. Um, and if she lost by TKO to Wei Li Zhang, who is the champion of a lower weight class, I would assume that she's going to have troubles uh, going the distance against um, a scarier finisher who is also bigger than Wei Li Zhang. Uh, Andrade also only has a significant strike defense of 53. She doesn't have great head movement. So, I mean, if you want to eat the juice or toss her in a parlay at minus 400, go ahead. But I'm going to go ahead and get uh, get a little bit more aggressive. Take her to finish the fight inside the distance at plus 135. Next up, another lady championship fight. Rose Namayunis against Wei Lei Zhang or Zhang Wei Lei. Um, I don't know the order of it. Some I know um, Asian countries... They flipped the last name and first name, so I don't know what would be the proper way for me to say it, but you know who I'm talking about, um, the strawweight uh, women's champion. I think this is actually the fight of the card, to be honest. This might be the, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most. I have no idea what's going to happen as far as who's going to win, so I'm going to go ahead and take that equation out. I'm just going to go ahead and bet on the fight to not go the distance at even money, and this might be my favorite bet of the card as well, but if you're going to ask me who's going to win, I don't have an answer for you. Um, all, all, of course, we all know Wei Lei Zhang. She's coming off what I think objectively you can say it, but I, I guess I'll say arguably the greatest female fight of all time when she got the split decision win over Joanna Janjacek back in March of last year. Um, but if you haven't watched the fight, if you're able to, you got to go back and watch that. That was an insane fight. I don't know how it wasn't stopped. I don't know how they both stayed on their feet. Joanna, um had the huge hematoba, I think it's called, that huge, like, swollen thing right above her eye. She looked like Frankenstein. Uh, both of them rocked multiple times. It was absolutely insane. Um, if, I mean, if it, I think if it's a similar fight, it's going to be stopped. I mean, I'm shocked that fight wasn't stopped uh, uh, against Yona Janjacek. Zhang, 13 of her 21 career victories uh, came via finish, so that's a higher than 50% finish rate. Um, and then there's Rose Namajunas, who has finished her opponent in two of her last four wins, including a TKO finish over Joanna Janjacek. She also had six finishes and nine career victories, so that's a 66% finish rate. Uh, Zhang averages an astounding 6.38 significant strikes per minute landed. Rose averages 4.13, so both ladies throw a lot, they land a lot, they can finish their fights. Um, they've both been in just absolute 
wars, just nonstop throwing down. I think someone's going to get the finish here. I absolutely love this bet. Like I said, I think it's my favorite bet on the card, and that's for Nama Yunus and Wei Zhang to not go the distance at even money. And then we'll finish up here. Uh, in the main event, Kamaru Usman, I'm going to take him to win inside the distance as well at plus 250. I hate that this fight is happening again. Uh, I don't care that Jorge is a longer training camp for, uh, this time. I think we're going to see the same result or, I mean, hopefully a, a worse result or I guess it'd be a better result if you're going to bet on Usman to win inside the distance. That's what I'm hoping for at least. Uh, Usman won all five rounds last time. He outstruck Masvidal 263 to 88. Uh, 94 to 66 when looking at significant strikes. He had 16 minutes and 38 seconds of control. He got five takedowns. I mean, this was not a Masvidal wasn't ready kind of loss. Sometimes you see that, you see a fight go a certain way, and you're like, oh, well, maybe if they had a longer training camp, uh, they uh, they could have been competitive. That was not the case with this one, man. This was this was a, a, a terrible stylistic matchup, um, terrible stylistic matchup for Masvidal. Also, people forget, I mean, Jorge Masvidal has kind of become this media darling with the whole bad motherfucker belt, the whole um, flying knee knockout against Ben Askren, the whole... Uh, three-piece in a soda or two-piece in a soda, whatever it was when he um, punched Leon Edwards um, behind the scenes. But don't forget, this guy's been in the UFC forever, and until recently, he's been like a slightly above-average fighter. Maybe that's not giving him... He's been a good fighter, but he's not a title contender. He's just not. He's not. He's not on Usman's level. I will take Kamaru Usman to finish the fight this time. I think plus 250 is fantastic value. I was surprised to get that good of value on it. So I'll take him to win inside the distance at plus 250. Let's move on to my best bets for Wednesday, April 21st. We're going to start in Major League Baseball and then we'll finish off with a hockey pick because the hockey picks going to be real quick and I'll explain that uh, when I get to it. But we'll start... Um, I wanted to look more to more evening games, so then the people who listen to this podcast later in the day, you wouldn't miss the picks. Uh, last week, uh, didn't go well with my daily picks, and, and usually my best bets of the day on the podcast do <clears throat> excuse me, do very well. Last week was not the case. Um, I had three picks. I went 0 for 2, and uh, the other one got postponed. I think it was Mariners. Um, Mariners against Baltimore. I had the under, and it ended up getting postponed. Speaking of which, did my Jays and Red Sox bet hit? Yes, it did. Red Sox 4, Jays 2. That was my only pick uh, for today for Tuesday. I tweeted it out. was the under. So there you go. I'm on a 1-0 run in, in Major League Baseball. But let's get into Wednesday's picks. Going to start with the Braves and Yankees. And I'm going to take Braves in the first five innings at even money. So specifically, first five innings, Braves. I got it at even money. So, I'm fading the Yankees while I, while I still can. I'm fading Kluber while I still can. I'm kind of shocked that they're the favorite in this one. Kluber, 35 years old, and he is showing his age. He has a 5, sorry, he had a 5.8 ERA in 7 starts in 2019. and only put pitched one inning in 2020. And now, so far this season, across three starts, he has a 6.1 ERA, a 7.16 FIP, and a 2.226 WHIP while giving up 2.6 homers per nine innings. That's bad. I'm convinced that he just completely fell off a cliff, and I don't think he's all of a sudden going to get back on track to his like 2017 and 2018 form. Um, and then not to mention, it's not going to help him out that they're now facing a Braves team that ranks fourth in the majors in OPS against right-handed pitchers. So, terrible. I mean, I, I, if Kluber just 
just tosses heat and just throws an amazing game, then I'll say, all right, fuck it, I screwed up. But, I mean, I will take a 35-year-old pitcher who has a 5.8 ERA, or sorry, a 6.1 ERA this season, a 2.226 whip up against one of the best offensive teams against right-handed pitchers. It just seems like a dream matchup for the Braves here in the first five innings. Ian Anderson gets a start for the Braves, one of the plethora of great young pitchers the Braves have. Also fellow Ian, so shout out him, but also to be fair, he spells it the wrong way, so negative points for that. I-A-I-N is the correct way to spell Ian. That is a fact. Um, <laughs> he had a 1.95 ERA last season. Obviously, I expect a bit of regression this season, but I do think he's better than the 4.7 ERA he has right now. Uh, and his FIP would kind of support that slightly, as he does have a slightly better FIP than ERA. His FIP is 4.53. And also, the Yankees are 23rd in OPS against right-handed uh, pitchers. Uh, now, the Yankees do have the bullpen advantage, second the majors in bullpen ERA, while the Braves are 17th. So that is why I'm just going to take the bullpen, hopefully out of the equation, and just take the Braves' first five on the money line, even money against the Yankees. Next, we're going with the Reds, and I, I picked the Reds last week against the Giants. That was one of the podcast picks, um, and it was the same starting pitcher, Tyler. I still haven't, don't remember how to pronounce his first name, Mal Mahele. Mali, um, me mispronouncing names is just a, a common theme that I'll never get over. Um, but uh, he did his job last week for me. Um, but then the Reds' bats just completely died that game. It was just an anomaly game compared to how they've uh, hit the ball the the, um, the rest of the season so far. They got shut out, lost to the Giants three nothing. Back on the Reds, back on their bats. Uh, minus one eighty this time, so it's not quite a. Uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit juicy. I'm gonna put two units on it though, uh, and they are taking on the Diamondbacks. Uh, Reds second in the majors in OPS, first in the majors in ISO, which basically just measures uh, the hitter's raw power. So I mean, they are smashing the ball, and now they're facing Merrill Kelly, who has an eight point four four ERA this season, an eight point four four. ERA this season, um, 1.688 whip, and he's giving up 2.3 home runs per nine innings. So he's given up dingers. The Reds hit dingers. And also the Diamondbacks are 18th in bullpen ERA. The Reds are 6th. So like I said, you guys know I, I mean, I'm not a guy that just gives out chalky picks. I, nor, I try to keep it within minus 150 odds or shorter, but I'm going to put two units on this. Reds against the Diamondbacks, minus 180. And then we're going to the NHL, and we're doing another repeat pick of last week. Going back to my theory uh, last week of Sharks and the over. Now, we missed it by a goal last week. It was against the Ducks last week. This time, it's against the Knights. We missed it by a goal. I'm back on it because I do believe the Sharks, if you're looking at their underlying statistics, I think they are primed to go on a run of over bets. So I'm going to go back to that well again uh, for Wednesday night. But I will be honest with you guys, and this is why I said earlier this pick's going to be quick, because the site I get my NHL stats from, which is Natural Stat Trick, is down tonight. So I can't look up those advanced analytics uh, like I normally do, but I mean, I imagine things haven't changed very much since last time I looked, so I, I don't have the exact rankings, but I do know the Sharks rank near the top in high-danger scoring chances. They rank near the bottom in high-danger scoring chances against. I know the Knights rank high in shooting percentage. They also rank high in high-danger scoring chances for. Uh, the Knights' goaltending does give me a little bit of concern. I think that they have 
if not the best, one of definitely one of the best team save percentage save percentages in the NHL between Marc Andre Fleury and uh, Robin uh, Lehner. Lehner. Me mispronouncing Lehner sounds like. Uh, by the my name's not Lane. <laughs> I had another guy, man. I get called Lane all the time. I don't even think Lane is a name. L A I N. I don't think I know anyone called Lane, but people call me Lane all the time. It's Ian. <laughs> yeah, goofs. Um, but there you go. Those are my MLB picks. Braves first five even money. Reds minus one eighty against the Diamondbacks. Two units on that, and then I'm going Sharks Knights over six, and the juice on that is even money. So there you have it, friends. That's all I got for you for uh, this week's show. Um, best of luck with all your bets. Don't forget, go open an account at betus.com, B-E-T-U-S.com. Go open an account there. When you open an account, put in promo code BACON. Get 125% bonus deposit on your first deposit. That's going to help me out as well. Everyone's going to be happy. You're going to have another book to use. You're going to have some free money to bet. Do it, do it, do it, betus.com, enter the promo code BACON, or click the link in the description of this podcast episode, and that'll take you to the page as well. Promo code BACON, betus.com, betus.com. Find folks there, good book, and all the odds that I quoted in this podcast have come from betus.com. So check it out, but that's all I have for you guys for this week. I will be talking to you again next week. Best of luck. I love you all. That's it. This has been the April 21st episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.